Another episode of the Help I'm Alive podcast. Today we get to speak to the legendary Chris Dyer. Chris, how you doing, man? And then amazing. Awesome. Eating some pudding. <laughs> Delicious. What kind of pudding? Chocolate, but okay. made out of soy. So, nice. Yeah. Are you? Shanti. Are you vegetarian? Yes, I am. Oh, nice. Damn, that is something I've always dreamed of doing and have never had the gusto to like send into, you know? Well, meat is delicious. Oh, it's a tough draw. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> How long have you been vegetarian? Uh, 1998. Wow. Yeah. Um, I had this girlfriend who was like a straight edge girl. And uh, she just gave me all these pamphlets about, you know, the different reasons why it makes sense to be vegetarian. There was one about the environment, which I've always cared since I was a kid. There was one about, you know, not being dicks and killing animals in a very torturous way after a very torturous life. And I was like, wow, yeah, I don't want to be part of that. And then there's uh, also... um, you just pollution in general. It's just like a lot of bad reasons. But, you know, I'm a hypocrite because I'm not a vegan, you know. So if I really believe in those things, I should go full, full vegan, which I'm not because uh, I like to eat fried eggs on Saturdays on my <laughs> breakfast. Just so. Saturdays specifically? Yeah. Well, you know, in my normal life when I can go out to have breakfast, uh, I like I like fried eggs on toast. It's just one of those things that brings a big smile on my face so <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah i mean i feel like there's a huge difference between um vegan and vegetarian as far as like i mean the value is still there right of the uh, appreciation of the environment appreciation of like conscious lives um being tortured you know until you know they meet their fate um but with vegans i feel like there's this like there's also this like cult there's like this cult of of veganism you know yeah, I don't want to bad talk vegans, but there's definitely enough of them that annoy me very much. Uh, and then For there's sure. others that just do it and they don't complain about me. The thing is, we all are good at some stuff and bad at other stuff. Uh, so as I told you, I'm vegetarian, but I wouldn't be all like, okay, what's up, man? You still eating beef? Didn't you know how this and that? What's up? Don't you have any morals? Where's your ethics, man? I would never <laughs> do that to you. Right, But there's a lot of vegans that do do that to me. And I'm like, dude, I've been vegetarian since 98. You know, like you, you've only been vegan for like three years. Like get off my, yeah, <laughs> you know, don't tease trendy. me so much. Right, I got a good right. friend of mine that, you know, just turned vegan like less than a year ago. And he's been heckling me on Instagram and I had to just defriend them. And it breaks my heart. And what? Oh. Because we got a different like diet, like, you know, like. Everybody's got the, you know, we all got to grow at our each pace, you know, right. exactly. hopefully one day we all end up being vegan. But for that, the world would really have to facilitate um, more of that and, you know, make it a little bit easier. But, you know, it's all it's, it's all each each to their own pace with no right. judgment, you know. Right. We all kind of meet, we all kind of meet each other where we're at, I feel like. And, and definitely in due time, I think there will be like an awakening to this uh global awareness that comes with 
eating yeah, healthier little by little, in general. You know, we've gone a, we've come a long way, you know, like for sure. Being a vegetarian was like a very risque thing not too long ago and now being vegan is fairly normal and even trendy and hip. And a lot of other things are happening that way, you know. Just becoming more conscious and good of a person or being woke as they call it these days is becoming very trendy and that's that's a good thing. Like maybe it's a weird reason to you know become a good person but either way it's just not like that weird or hippie to you know want to do good things in your life so right i'm just happy and and you know let's keep on moving forward you know with the the velocity that doesn't break us (laughs) right for sure yo um real quick i I hear a little bit of my voice like a feedback could you like i don't know if your volume's like all the way up on your laptop because i can hear i don't can you can you hear a double i can't but I'll bring it down a little bit. All Let's right. See. That's there we go. Cool. Perfect. Um yeah, so okay, so this this kind of leads into my next uh thing I wanted to ask you about. Um so I know you you run um you run these like medicine and art classes um down what what country is it that you do that in? Peru. Peru. Okay, so you do it in your in in your native in your native land where you have blood pretty much, right? Yeah, I grew up in Peru. I consider myself Peruvian. And I go there every end of the year to spend Christmas with my parents. And it's already been, well, I've been going to the jungle for like six or seven years to uh, work on myself and heal from my human madness. Uh, Hmm. But I've also been offering this art and medicine retreat in the jungle at my shaman's place, Katari, in uh, Tarapoto, Peru. Wow, that's see, I and the thing is, Chris, I've followed you for quite some time. Um, I have one of your tapestries um, that I had bought offline, you know, probably better half of a decade ago. And nice. since Thank then, I, yeah, of course, man, it's the one. Um, it says uh, yes, 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 and then no, no, no. On I don't know the name of the specific. It's a piece, classic. But- it's called Apotheosis of Duality. It's a map to, you know, a spiritual journey where the two uh side quadrants because it's divided in four um is the dualistic world of matter you know with positive and negative and then on the the bottom triangular shape is the being connecting to spirituality of planet earth the heart of creation of our you know entity that we're writing right now and then the upper triangle is opening up to the spirituality of the whole galaxy and universe so yeah, it's it's been so awesome that that tapestry has reached so many people. It's done by this brand called Sunshine Joy, and they're fairly cheap. So like, so many kids have them in the room, and then they meet me, and it's like, oh my god, I, you know, you're the guy who made my tapestry that I've yeah. been tripping on all my life, <laughs> yeah. and uh, it's become a little bit of a classic. When I painted that painting, it was uh, 2010. And I took it right away to a show in Hawaii to show it. I really wanted to like bring a new painting. So I did a, a good one and I sold it right away. You know, some hippie dude barefoot with a lunchbox shows up. He's like, I want it. How much? It's like 3300 bucks. Opens up his lunchbox, gives us the cash, goes with it. I always thought it was so funny that like he was just rolling around with a lush box full of, yeah. full of cash. Who knows what? <laughs> uh, and he's barefoot, you know. man. The last guy you'd probably expect to right. drop three thousand. No, yeah, that's it was awesome. So he bought it right incredible. away, and I was so stoked. That was the most I've ever sold a painting for. I 
got back home and then reinvested directly into my business. I bought a, an Apple desktop. I got a tablet. I got a scanner. I got all my computer equipment so I would be ready to keep on stepping up my business. Fast wow. forward probably, I don't know, six, seven years, and I get an email from a fan who she writes me and she's like, hey, I work in a storage place in Hawaii. And uh, this guy had stored a bunch of things in one of our units, but he never came back. So when they don't come back, we just throw everything in the garbage. So I was throwing a bunch of his things in the garbage. And I just felt like opening one of the boxes randomly. I was just curious. And I opened it up and there was one of your paintings. And I'm like, whoa, like an original painting of mine? He's like, yeah. And it was the Apotheosis of Duality original painting that she was about to throw in the garbage. Oh my goodness. And I was like, holy shit, like, uh, can I get it back? And she's like, yeah, I, I, I'd give it to you back, but I'm just a worker at this storage place. Officially, the uh, storage people get to keep it. So the boss clued into what was going on and he kind of like grabbed it and so I was like, hey, can I buy it off you? And he was like, yeah, yeah, you can buy it off me. So I'm just waiting for him to give me a price and to like arrange the situation. But he's not writing me back. So eventually I, I wrote him. He's like, yo, what's up with the painting? It's like, oh, no, I changed my mind. I sold it to a friend of mine. And I'm like, dude, you can't sell that painting to your buddy. That's like my painting. It's like become a classic. It's this tapestry that's in the room of all these different people. Like it's, it's a historical piece by now. You can't just, you know, sell it like that. Like I, I painted it and he's like, no, I don't care. Like I'm just, you know, it's my friends now. So just hit the road. And oh, I was like, I was ready to take a plane to go oh and fight for my God. painting in Hawaii. God. It's like, I'm not going to let this painting go. And then he was like, all right, all right, all right. I'll sell you the painting. I'll buy it back from my friend and I'll sell it, send it, sell it to you. But you're going to have to pay me $500. Oh, and no. I was like, <laughs> okay, you bastard. So I paid him 500 bucks, which he thought was a lot. But compared to the 3300 that I had originally sold it, I got right. it like way cheaper. So for sure, I yeah. was super stoked. And now it hangs in my living room. <laughs> what a journey. Jeez. That yeah. thing is, wow. That's such a good story. That's incredible. Yeah, it's one of those synchronistic things because like, what's the chances? Like, it's not like I'm this huge artist that everybody knows. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like nobody, but it just happens that the, the girl who was working at that storage place was my fan, which is very random. And randomly she felt like opening the box out of nowhere. And uh, yeah, I'm just so happy that it's back and I've been able to show it at different shows and still have it here in my living room. <laughs> it's important for me. It's one right. of my kids. I mean, a few points like, okay, weird that the guy spent 3000 plus on it and then left it in storage and forgot about it. That's strange. Well, Secondly, once two, again, he was a dude who was just walking around barefoot with a lunchbox full of money, just buys paintings. Who knows what he was involved with, you know? Just a traveling type, just a guy that's just, he just, a, I'm thinking maybe he was a drug dealer that just kind of made a wrong move and, or maybe he went on a trip and never came back. I don't know. Fell off a oh, cliff, well, fell in a lava puddle. I don't know. Well, but, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm from Hawaii, so I was born and raised, um, okay, cool. part of my life on Oahu. And, uh, I know if you, did he look like a local guy or was he more, uh, no, what, he was, he, uh, you know, a howly as you guys call it. <laughs> right. So if you get mixed in with the wrong crowd down there and you, you disrespect right. the wrong people, you're kind of, 
you know, you're kind of tit for tat. You're a little screwed. So hopefully, right. I mean, that guy's okay. I mean, all good yeah. go to that guy. Hopefully he's doing well, but that's such a great story. I mean, I hope he's to, alive. <laughs> I've never heard from him again, but uh, right. yeah, I've been to Hawaii three times and I've been heckled for, you know, just being me. So yeah. Well, I mean, you have dreadlocks though. There's, there's like this level. It's weird because I've noticed, I went to school there for a little bit mm-hmm. in high school. And, um, so my name is Kainalu, but I just go by Kai. Um, and so they didn't see or hear my name, but just based on my skin color, they were super, super rude to me, like extremely right. rude. And like, to the point where I had made a couple of buddies within the first couple of weeks and we'd walk through the hallway and they'd be like, Hey, don't look up, don't look up at these people right now. Like don't make eye contact. And I was like, geez, what kind of like, what is going on? Is this prison? Like, what is going on? Why am I like, how am I in this situation yeah, where bad. I'm, I'm, it's really, I mean, it almost, it's, it's, it's a form of segregation and like, and like, um, it's a form of like, well, I don't want to say reverse it. racism it's or, reverse, or it is exactly. a kind of racism, racism that it general. comes from the anger that they've been treated bad. You know, it's the same uh, treatment I get in Peru many times because uh, I consider myself Peruvian, but I'm white and mm-hmm. uh, 90% of Peruvians are brown. So when they see somebody who's white right away, they know he's not poor and, uh, you know, they're just not stoked with him. Uh, so I used to get robbed four times a year average. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like straight up like gunpoint robbed. Uh, no, they don't have money for guns. It's more like knives, pieces of metal, broken bottles. Oh but my God. yeah, like basically 90% of Lima, I'm not allowed to go to, <laughs> or I get in like deep trouble. And then there's wow. my neighborhoods where I'm like, I live or like, it's like safer but still, their um, ghettos are, like, not that far away, and they just kind of, like, roll down, and there I am, and I'm just, like, a little white kid, and and then, and I'm, like, dude, like, I saved up for these shoes, like, you know, and they don't care. But, you know, it's not <laughs> me being all, like, fuck those people neither. It's just the situation, and, and it's just the world, the world has kind of, like, turned us against each other, and sometimes uh, the pigmentation of our skin can... I don't know, create issues as we can so clearly see these days. Right. And, um, and I mean, being from Seattle too, we have that, we have, I don't, I'm sure you've heard, but it's called CHOP. Uh, it's the Capitol Hill open protest and uh, Capitol uh-huh. Hill is a city in, in Seattle um, where they chase the police out. Um, out right. of their precinct. Yeah. 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 I've heard about so, it. so there's a huge, uh, like several block wide um, zone where it's just, it's actually really interesting to see because it's, I mean, through the misfortune of, of losing, you know, an innocent human life, um, we've seen so much beauty come from this situation in the sense of, uh, people connecting. Um, so you see pictures of open markets down there, people just giving away food, like, uh, like trading, you know, there's like a, like a barter system that goes on in there as well. Like, it's just so, um, it's, it seems like such an ugly situation, but I mean, most of us know well enough that through the hard times, usually there's some sort of um, reprieval or some sort of like light. Right. That well, comes that's the, the way how energy moves. Energy doesn't stay still, you know, or it doesn't go all in one direction all the time. It has to go back and forth. The ebb and flow, the tides of the ocean, the tug of war of the human moods, you know, and sometimes you need to get pushed back in order to push forward. And, 
we've been pushed back for a long time and we try to push forward but once they push you back so far back the the spring just kind of pushes way stronger forward so uh, as much as i don't uh, like that any person of any race gets hurt or murdered for the once again the, their pigmentation um it's created a lot of uh, consciousness, you know, it's br brought a lot of topics to the table. It's brought a lot of negativity to our faces and we're learning to deal with it. And I, I was happy to hear about that uh, movement in Seattle. Um, it's more, con I, when you first were talking about, it, I heard about it in the Joe Rogan show once. Uh, and I thought like, oh yeah, we got parts of Lima that are also like, you know, cops are not allowed in there, but it's not right. like this like nice organized United, you know, it's more like cops come in here, we'll kill them. And that's, that's, that's about it, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's you know, pretty we, we're like, we're criminals and we're not gonna let no cops stop that. So better just don't come into this area of town. It's, I mean, so it's, I mean, it's just so, that's so otherworldly too, especially someone who's been, um, I was, I mean, obviously blessed enough to, to be born and, and I'm so grateful to be a, born on american soil or like just in a country not even american soil but in in a country where i'm allowed to um do what i'm you know what my aspirations call for and like to think that there are places in the world like that like i, I spent time in haiti um for a little bit and that was oh man that was quite a psychedelic experience without any sort of drugs like that was so um just eye-opening yeah it's surreal exactly just right. just to, to, I mean, kind of speaking on like what you said, how like there's parts of town where you just don't go. Um, right. There's villages there. You just don't go because they will. It, it's like that, you know, it's and it's not yeah. because you did anything wrong in particular. It's just that, you know, there's no, these there's, divides. I, 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 you know, I don't like it, but I do know that because of the way I look, I will be in danger in certain places. And that doesn't mean that I dislike those people. It's just I know not to go there. Um I used to go to a soccer stadium a lot as a, as a kid. I used to be part of a street gang and I would end up in the bad neighborhood sometimes and the locals would kind of go at me. But even though we're all part of the same gang, you know, right. I, I had a dude in my own gang rob me once and we were part of the same fucking gang and we'd hang out like ton We'd gone to parties together. And he still stole my sunglasses that I had just bought for Christmas. Oh Probably to just buy some pasta basico cocaína. Uh, I'll never forget you. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, wow. uh, a place Sadly. I went recently where I also know I would have been, well, actually what last time when I was in Peru, this, this last, uh, time I was in a really bad neighborhood painting a mural, but all my, uh, the people who organized it hanged out with me and we had security and it was all shanty, but a place I did go last year that was kind of sketchy was Palestine. I, I was painting in a, in a refugee camp. So when I got invited, I was like, wow, painting in a refugee camp in Palestine. Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. I'm down to help. Once I got there, I was like, whoa, this, this, some, like they were like people running through town with like fucking sarcophagus on their back, you know, from like, oh just, they're gosh. just, they're killing people there like on a daily, uh, not, not between themselves. It's usually the Israelis killing the Palestinians or vice versa. But the Israelis are the ones with the bigger guns. Um, so, But all the locals have guns. And all the time I'm painting there and there's like bullets on the walls. And you just hear prup, prup, prup around. And, and they're oh looking gosh. at us being like, who are these gringos? Like, 
you know, they look like all the kids thought we were Israeli at the beginning. We're like, no, no, we're not Israeli. We're like, you know, just uh, I'm Canadian. But they don't even know what Canadian is. You know, they're just like, who are these guys and why they're painting weird things on our walls? And we're like, <laughs> we're here to make your, you know, your ghetto more pretty. You know, like we don't, you know, we know you've been treated unfairly. We know they took away your land. We want to. We want to show that we care, you know, because that's as an artist, all I got is art. All I can do is go and paint for free and, and you know, show that the world hasn't forgotten about them. But right. it was it was challenging. You know, the kids were just fucking with me. There, there was, uh, I think, like 75 percent kids in that town because the adults that either get killed or go to jail. And they just kind of like reproduce a bunch so they don't kill them all off, which is kind of like the objective on the other side, which sadly oh to God. say. What um, a terror. Oh, so it's just, it's just a different reality. And all the time I was there, I was very anxious. Like I didn't even want to go the, the, the days after. It's like, oh my God, I got to go back in there and go even deeper into a deeper street where like I'm just surrounded by these people who are checking out my girlfriend and just like, ugh, it ugh. was just – and I and I'm there to serve them, you know. And I'm not bad talking Palestinians. If if there's any, um, if they're acting in any weird ways, is because they've been fucked all their life, and all they know is this, you know, aggression and violence and, defense. and defensiveness. Yeah, being defensive. And yeah, you can't exactly. help, but you know. So, in that trip, I kind of realized I can't just go and roll in anywhere I want and think that my, you know, I can. But I'm very sensitive and I got to respect my own, uh, my own sensitivity, you know, like I can't, you know, shatter my nerves endlessly without, <laughs> you know, I got to respect right. myself too. I was really happy to serve there. We painted them some beautiful murals. A lot of people were happy and I fucking pray to God that the war in the Middle East will end one day. But from going there, it just seemed like it's uh, it's one of those fights that seemed like it could never end because there's been so much pain. That's why when I see new fights starting, like say in a place like North America, like say in the US, like there's a big, you know, disagreement between say the left and the right or the white and the black, and there's some fights. We're still not too down. Uh, we're still not so down the road of violence and aggression that we cannot stop and be like, yo, let's just stop this bullshit and let's unite and be together and find some kind of agreement where we all benefit. Because if not, we end up like the Israelis and the Palestinians who've been at it for three generations. And you can tell either side like, hey, just quit it, forgive the other side and let's see how we can fix everything. It's just no one's going to listen to you. They're all just like, no, they killed this person, that person. They exploded this. They did that. They killed our families. We'll never forgive them and we'll fight forever. You don't want to go – you don't want to end up that way. We, we don't want to see the world end up that way. We got to learn our lessons from what's happening down there because we don't want to fight each other the rest of our history. We, we no, we don't even know how long we're going right. to be here. <laughs> yeah, we have no idea how long we're even going to, how long this 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 controlled hallucination is going to last. You know, this is all it's something I've kind of taken to a little more recently. Um, and interestingly enough, due to heartbreak, I've entered this like psychedelic, um, like spirituality quest that I've just been on this past probably like four months, um, and I'm loving every second of it. Although it's extremely excruciating and it's it's uh, heart work. For sure, you're working on you know where your heart's at and where your mind is. But 
um, it's really unfortunate because like you're saying, there's just this deep seated hatred across the entire planet. And it's tough to see the end of that. And it's tough to see where that might come to a conclusion. Um, and, and that being said too, it's like, it makes you think like, you know, there's so many barriers and there's so many, uh, there's so many borders and so many, uh, just things that we look at each other as so different when on the grand scheme, on the big scale of things, we're all the same. We might speak different languages. We might have been taught. And that's the other thing too, is we immediately, I'm not sure how different school systems work, but I know in America, one of the first things you learn is where the borders are and how different they are from us. It's never this taught, like it's never taught unity. It's never taught, you know, we're all the same people with different culture. It's more so like, this is where the border of this country is. And this is how they've been fighting for so long. It's like, why don't we teach peace? Why don't we teach, um, instead of borders and boundaries, why don't we teach culture? you know, and, and how to, how to respect each other and how to find this level of uh, similarity rather than looking at differences. And I think that's why I was so excited to talk to you is because you speak in a language that everybody can understand, which is art, no matter who or where they're from or what language or ghetto or um, any sort of the war- part of the world that they're in, they're going to look at your painting and they're going to feel a certain way. You know what I'm saying? Right. And you're, you're able to communicate them and cross that boundary um, through something that comes from you. And that's so incredible. I think that's like a super, they they might not get the same message though, you know, like it, and even people of the same language, like say I do a painting and we all speak English. The person who looks at that painting, they will interpret it in their own way as they reflect their understanding to what that means to them. Not necessarily what it means to me. Sometimes they, they get what I was trying to say particularly, but I say what I got to say, but they will really see what they can understand in the reflection right. of that. Painting. Like where so really at. paintings yeah. are just mirrors of anything. Right. And that isn't that, I mean, that in itself is so, um, I think that's an enriching quality of being an artist of being, especially you saying you go down there and you serve and you serve for free and you paint these murals for these people just to, to brighten, to add a, a bit of color to their, their landscape. And that's like, that itself is a communication of love. That's a communication. That's like a, you're, you know, like you said, whether or not they're experiencing the same message that you have maybe intended for, um, they're taking it from where they're at and with the experience and the understanding that they have. And that's like, that's why art has always been such a huge influence on me. And it's been such a huge, like hanging your, uh, getting back to your tapestry having your tapestry in my room has invoked so much emotion you know there are times where i look at that and i look at the no side and the dude flipping off you know Mm. to the to the side and i'm just like man i feel like that guy some days but then other days i feel like the other side is just like yes yes this is so you know things are going so well i'm just Um, as honest as i can you know like i say in the world of visionary art um at least to the point that i had arrived there there wasn't a lot of art with people giving the finger in it but that's part of my upbringing, you know, like I am a positive person, but I am also like, you know, a skater dude that's done bad things in his life. And some days I'll still be an asshole and I got to forgive myself for it because that's part of reality. And a lot of us still are assholes in some days and we can't really be bummed about it. We just got to dance with it and learn from it and make the most out of it. It is quite a dance, isn't it? It's like a cosmic dance of like how you go about your daily life. And it's, it's tough to, uh, it's tough to remain mindful of your, like where you're at. I think a big, a big thing for me, and I'm sure, I mean, you've, you've, uh, experienced 
ayahuasca, you know, multiple times, I assume, right? Like a handful, like a good handful. Yeah. Like 30 times maybe. That's, that's a couple handfuls. Jeez. Um, but in that state, I feel like there's this level of, um, I've never done it. I've, I've, I've sampled DMT before. Um, but I've never gone as far as doing the whole, uh, the whole ceremony, but I think DMT like is more day. strong if you ask me. Really? It's just quicker, you know? So you might get shocked, but then, you know, 10 minutes later it's done and you're like, okay, at least it didn't last long. Ayahuasca can get to points where it's as intense as a DMT trip and it lasts longer, but there's just more to it, you know? There's more, I don't know. I guess I haven't done DMT that much to make the comparison, but everybody is afraid of ayahuasca. And I'm like, no, man, like for sure there's the struggle, but there's the struggle in everything. There's the struggle in like taking, you know, an airport day to get to a nice vacation place, you know? And as you said, you're doing your psychedelic practices these days. I'm assuming maybe with mushrooms or something. Yep. yep. And, uh, <laughs> and that has struggled too. I don't do a ton of mushrooms anymore. Um, I used to more in my 20s. But uh, I just got back from three months being locked down in Peru. And I really wanted to do a psychedelic journey during that. There was some San Pedro growing in my dad's farm, but... I just didn't have the heart to cut it and prepare it and eat it by myself. So I get back home and I had these chocolates in my, in my fridge and it was the solstice, summer solstice, eclipse, new moon, father's day, go skateboarding day. And I'm locked into my room because, you know, in my apartment, because, you know, kind of quarantining me for a couple of weeks. So it's like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to do these mushrooms. And there was a struggle, man. It, you know, like it was two grams, not like a ton, but it's also not too little. And it was just kind of like I had to go through the mem- the uncomfortable uh, membrane. I felt like, am I going to throw up here? I, definitely my body feels attacked. My body feels right. like some uh, poison is attacking it and it's causing the psychedelic effects, but there's still the anxiety running through my body. So there's a struggle in everything. And ayahuasca definitely puts you in that struggle. Like it's so weird because you can be blissed out while at the same time, your body being totally in anxiety because it's being attacked by a entity. It doesn't understand, but, uh, you know, we do these things that are hard because we want the rewards. Like you go to the gym and going to the gym is not fun, but then you come back and you feel good and you, you lost some weight or you're stronger. So it's, it's meant to be. So that's how I see it. When I go to the jungle, it's like a bunch of warriors going to the spiritual gym to become better human beings, to become wiser, to clean themselves from the dirty energy that the world throws at us every single day. (laughs) Right. No. And that's, um, I think for me, it's more the fear of how violent it looks. Sometimes it looks like you, I mean, I, I've noticed that there's that, uh, throwing up is a huge part of that. I think that's like probably one of the main reasons why I, I'm scared of it. Is yeah, the, the... throwing up's not fun. Unless if it's like a good ayahuasca, like it depends what kind of ayahuasca uh, ceremony you get. And it, it really, there's a variety of styles of what Aya could do to you. The first time I did Aya, she just gave me like the good one. Just like, okay, I'm going to start you off with like the best psychedelic trip you've ever had, Chris. I'm going to show you universes and realities. And I'm going to show you deep into the past. And I'm going to just, I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to show you all the paintings in the universe. 
and she just wow. fucking rocked me and she like taught me so much and i was so blessed that but when it came to throw up i just threw up and was like oh that that ain't that's nothing who cares but then i realized oh shit like when you throw up you're getting rid of some of your dirt and that's a benefit to you know to my being so then the next day uh for the or the day after or the ceremony after and a couple of days after that um because I was two when I got initiated, um, I told her, okay, thank you for that amazing initiation. It was very fun, but I understand that you can also make me struggle. And through that struggle, you can remove some of my negativity. And I feel a lot of anger. I feel a lot of frustration. Please remove some of my anger. So she did that. She listened to me. And that day I did not hallucinate whatsoever. I just was lit up on fire. So she lit oh, me up man. on fire and uh, it, it was like she was melting all the negativity in my body and then kind of like grabbing it and bringing it to my belly. So she'd go to my foot and grab it with little worms and bring that negativity into my belly. And my belly was a furnace of fire, just like, and I was like, <gasps> like breathing because I was just so like, you know, like the worst heartburn and just, you're just sweating. And, the, and my shaman was like seeing it. And he's like, yeah, you're going to just have to go through that yourself, dude. Like, wow. I'm not going to help you out because she's just working you. And I'm nobody to stop her from this sufferation. She feels she needs to put you through. And I'm right. like, okay. <laughs> and then like for hour, like for a couple more hours, I was just being burnt and burnt and burnt. And then at one point he, he was like, okay, like, uh, you know, she's... She, She's worked you enough. Come, come in front of me. So I drag myself in front of him and kneel in front of him. And he starts singing one specific song and I projectile puke. It's so crazy to see that somebody with a song has command in the medicine in my belly to make wow. it come out if he wants to, like a snake or something. It's just so trippy. So wow. that was more of a suffering kind of, ceremony but once it came out he said ahí salió la rabia which means in spanish there came out your anger and he had no idea that i had internally asked the medicine to get out of my get out my anger so he could even see it you know wow. so that kind of synchronicity or coincidence or whatever you want to say or the way i asked the medicine and, and she gave me what i asked all those things kind of like make me understand that there's like a really intelligent consciousness to the medicine and there's a purpose to the suffering and there's a cleaning and uh even though it's not fun in the moment it lasts a couple hours of suffering but then you're just lighter in your life you know like there's other shamanic medicines i've done that put me through as much or worse suffering i'd say combo combo the frog medicine yeah yeah the one where they they dot you with it right yeah the dots they put you yeah. dots and that's pure venom and that's not psychedelic there's no fun part on that one. that was pure suffering that's pure like in 10 minutes you your pressure goes up and you your fucking body's freaking out and your face swells up and you're just got the worst fever of your life and then you puke a lot like projectile puke for like 20 30 minutes you fill up a bucket oh. that's why you got to drink lots of water before you do it you drink like two big bottles of water and then you do the dots and you're like Whoa! and it just gets 
the puke from your cel- cellular, your molecular cellulose and all this, vi- it comes out yellow. It's kind of like the the puke from corners of your body that, you know, you don't usually access. Just like the and dustiest, it's terrible. darkest. It's really not fun, but I've done it multiple times and I'll keep on doing it because you feel so great after. Not that day, but the day after you just feel like you just got so much toxins and shit out of your body and it's boosting your immune system. Basically anything that could give you cancer, you just got it out. And it just, it's, it's one of my secrets to youth, you know, like I'm, I'm a 41 year old that, you know, doesn't look like a 41 year old because I like to go out to the jungle and throw up a lot. (laughs) Oh my God. I didn't know you were 41. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, You're, you're doing well. You're doing really well. No, seriously. That's man. That is quite the that's quite the the warrior's path to youth. No lie, like that's a tough that's a tough dude. Like, and that's the thing. Too. We're all warriors in a way. We all choose our way of suffering. I think if anything, my way is the pussy way because yeah, sure, that forty five minute sucks, but then I'm done. You know, way easier than like spending months of like you know eating a certain thing or going to the gym. It's kind of like the quick pill. It's same with psychedelics. You want enlightenment, you can either meditate for years and years. Or you take a psychedelic that kind of like takes you to that plane right away. So I'm not going to call myself a pussy neither because, you know, it takes a little bit of courage to jump into certain oh, realms that courage. quickly. But, a uh, yeah. you know, it, it depends what you want. And uh, I don't have time to lose. I really want to I want to be the best me as soon as possible because that way I can serve better. The, 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 the more I clean myself, the more I can become a better human being, the better medicine I can provide my community. And that's... That's the ultimate goal, how much I can help others heal while I heal myself. Right. And I think, too, I think through that, I think with the, like you said, it's a quick pill. I think it's more so of a window. I think it opens up a window for you to to, um, to get this perspective from that from that suffering or even from that, that psychedelic experience, um, it gives you a brief window into a, a realm that is not always necessarily familiar or, uh, regular or normal. Um, so yeah, you can meditate and be a Buddhist monk, uh, and live in the Himalayas and, and reach enlightenment that way. But, um, these short little trips that you take, um, and harvest your soul in a way I think are, you know, just as beneficial. And if not, like you said, a quicker way of doing that. Um, the thing is we're, I, we're all different. You know, some people got good concentration. Others don't. Some people are really busy. I got a really busy mind. Yeah, I could really work really hard, but I would ha- like in order for me to reach enlightenment through meditation, I would have to stop being an artist, like sell my apartment and just go to an ashram and just do that. And I had that option once. Actually, I had a guru from India at age 23. I had just finished eight years of art schooling. And I've been following this guru from India for many years. And I- I'd gone to one of the retreats in Oregon. And one day he just opened up that he wanted to talk to the Latinos of the of the group. And I was like, I'm Latino too. So I went there and <laughs> could talk to him, which I was never able to talk to him. The only two times I got close to him, just from looking on his eyes, I started crying for like 20 minutes, crying really hard just from looking in his eyes. Like It felt like wow. a psychedelic experience where I was being squeezed like a dirty rag. Just from looking at his eyes. It it fucking blew my mind. So finally, I get to talk with him on my third year in that that retreat. And I had just finished art school, as I told you. 
And uh, he tells me, oh, who are you? What do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm Chris. And I just finished art school and I'm going to be an artist and I'm going to make the world a better place with my art. And he's like, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. I was like, what? He's like, you should just stay here in the ashram and meditate and be of service to the movement and you shouldn't you shouldn't be an artist it's like what what are you talking about he's like well the artist path has a lot of trickiness to it there's a lot of ego there's a lot of distractions there's a lot of worldly things that are going to pull you away from your path of being enlightened and your goal in this lifetime is to become enlightened and escape samsara you, you you're trapped in this dimension mm. that's not your true dimension you're supposed yes. to be liberated back to the god absolute consciousness yeah. And you could attain that if you just stay here and meditate and ignore this life that you've chosen. And it broke my heart, dude. I was yeah, so no torn. My guru that I've followed for three years told me not to follow this path that, 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 that I had chosen in my heart to make the world a better place. I was born to be an artist ever since I'm a kid of being an artist. And, and I really wanted to do this service to the world. And, all of a sudden, this guy I'm following tells me not to do it. And, and, and in a way, he was right. You know, like totally the path of the artist has taken me away from the goal of becoming enlightened, which seems almost like impossible for me at this point. But this, this story is not done. So basically, the year before, I had met a, a psychic woman in that, uh, in that retreat. The, that, those retreats are full of like psychic people with really incredible powers. There was this lady from Oregon and we had become friends and that year she didn't show up actually. Um, she didn't show up. She couldn't go. She was sick and it was like, Oh, too bad. Meredith's not here. I guess I'll see her next time. But then then the night before the last day, she got a dream and where she was speaking with Jesus. She speaks with Jesus a lot for some reason. I don't know. I don't understand her powers. <laughs> and in her dream, Jesus was telling her, you got to go to the retreat and talk with Chris because he needs to know this message that I'm going to tell you. So she's like, oh, shit. So she just kind of like packed up and showed up to the last day of the retreat. And I was like, oh, Meredith, you came. He's like, yeah, I came because I need to specifically talk with you. And I'm like, oh, shit. OK, what's up? Well, I had this dream where Jesus came to me last night. And she said that you had to go out in the world and talk with as many people as possible and shine your light and pass your light through that. Wow. And I was like, holy shit. Okay, cool. Because that's kind of like what I wanted to do with my art. And then, so I that kind of like helped me see like, oh no, maybe I should follow my heart and be this artist and not, you know, neglect the world to become a meditator and, and achieve God consciousness. Um, and then a few months later, uh, social media started happening. I joined uh, MySpace and I started all of a sudden meeting thousands of people online and just sharing my art and my light. And that's when I started becoming, uh, you know, quasi famous or well known. And and that's what I've been up to ever since. So, uh, yeah, I guess uh, it's all because of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> shout out jesus cristo man damn that's yeah, crazy man. and you know it's really interesting because i grew up i was baptized catholic uh grew up christian and for quite some time uh once i came back from my retreat in haiti i really didn't like jesus i really didn't think that the people that 
followed him were very quality. I thought that they, I mean, not all of them, obviously there are some great people out there, but some of the people I was around were very vindictive of my belief and how I was changing. And I recently through, like I said, my, you know, my spiritual pursuits, I realized, man, I love Jesus. That was just a good guy. You know, it doesn't matter what people wrote about him or the books or the religion that followed the, the man himself walked in a way of light that was love for others. And it wasn't this message of, you know, you know, it was you know, all about love a, and unity. He, right. he got enlightened and he's just spreading the good vibes and telling everybody to drop the bullshit. And that's why he got killed. <laughs> exactly. And then they've created because, more bullshit from his, you know, his thing. Well, and then uh, let's the make systematic... another path in religion that confines people. And But, you know, his words are still there. Some of them, at least, because there's a lot of other books that talk about him in a different light that are not, you know, approved by the system. Um, it, it's just unfortunate because the books, he didn't write the books. People wrote the books about him, you know, and it's like, and it's like this interpretation. And then through the years of various Royal families taking their hands and digging in the book and pulling right. out pages and adding things. And, and then this systematic control comes about where it's like, you're going to go to hell if you are gay or you're going to go to hell if you, um, you know, whatever it may be, commit sexual acts before you're married just all these crazy like just humanistic like rules came about where the message originally was just to love thy neighbor you know like that's so it sounds so simple it's also extremely tough and right and like to get back to what you're saying about enlightenment and what your guru had spent uh spent telling you you know the time telling you hey you know do this don't don't pursue art i think I think what you did was you took and this is just my personal interpretation but you took your art and you know i think with uh with the term enlightenment's a bit it's a bit it can be jaded i don't think enlightenment is something that is uh tangible in the way of like you know i mean obviously there are those people like you said where you look in their eyes and for no no known known reason you start crying because there's just this presence or this some this people can channel pull. god and maybe i'll achieve that in a lifetime but i've to- t- to- taken the conscious uh choice to be a bodhisattva so as you may know or not in the buddhist past you can either be a buddha achieving enlightenment or you could be a bodhisattva somebody who helps other people get on their path to enlightenment right, and right, right. I feel like, I don't know, there's more I can do by getting people on their own path or at least one step closer to their path of, you know, finding their own personal enlightenment. So, you know, that's my choice and I don't feel guilty about it. You know, if anything, you know, it's a little bit of a sacrifice, but we will all end up back in the infinite body of God at one point. May it take a million lifetimes and a million lessons. Eventually, he'll all suck us back into the absolute and he'll be like, oh, creation was interesting and let's go back to absolute now. And for now, he's just enjoying living through us. And, and, and how, how many... How many times do we have to go through the the bardo? You know, how many times do we have to experience the the cycle, the forty nine days of, of demons and temptation, and and then I've I've been through that book. I'm working on it right now. That have you read the Tibetan Book of the Dead? I have not the Tibetan. Yeah, it's uh, so they speak of this thing called the bardo, and the bardo is a cycle, uh, the cycle of reincarnation, and pretty much what they, I mean, from my very rudimentary understanding is that um, if you don't realize that what you're living right now is a dream, if you don't wake up from the dream, 
you go through the bardo and and once you've reached this you know quote unquote enlightenment you have the choice to either come back or you can stay in the god state from uh-huh. there forward and i think what you're saying is being a bodhisattva is uh is 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 a, a great way and that's a, another explanation to have is like once you've reached this place or once you've come to this place within yourself you're able to come back and bring your brothers and sisters with you you're able to spread that light and and shine the light upon um the people who are around you and like there's this like very interesting um so there's a podcast i listen to called the uh duncan trussell family hour amazing amazing podcast amazing uh comedian actually as well um but he he uh, at one point had said it's like it's like we're all playing a game but you don't want to be that asshole that's always coming into the room being like or like if you're playing monopoly you don't want to come into the you don't want to be the asshole that comes in the room and be like hey it's all just a game the people playing the game know it's a game like they're very aware of it and and it's up to them if they want to sleep let them sleep if they want to awake and they want to um awaken from the dream that's up to them but it's your job to be the person that's willing to spread that light with those who are who are seeking of the light. And that's like to me, that's been such a huge pivotal moment for me because I don't push enlightenment on others. I don't I don't say I'm enlightened. But what I was going to say is that I feel like your art is a form of your enlightenment. Your ability to spread your um, your truth through that is is huge. And that's like you said, like you could have taken the path and gone and, and um, meditated until you reach that state, but you've taken it to the point where you're able to spread it um, more effectively throughout the whole world, you know, just by going to a, a village in Palestine or, you know, doing these retreats in Peru. Like there's, there's so many facets to it. Right. And I think that's, well, that's huge. I'm tr- trying my best, you know, um, I don't know if my art's about enlightenment. Maybe it's about the process of a normal person trying to get one step closer. And uh, that's all I can do. <laughs> Try my best. Well, I think, too, you – I mean, you you bump shoulders with a lot of very uh, esteemed artists as well, like Alex Gray. Like another huge – he's another huge proponent of um, – like consciousness and being awake and like how like, can you maybe just touch on like your experience with him and like how, how how did you I actually have a couple of questions for you like around the subject about people um but how did when did that come into play when did you meet alex well um it's kind of like a long story but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you i guess um uh i guess i first I, I had seen alex's art before because you know i like nirvana and he had some art in the in utero album and i like beastie boys and he had some art in the album ill communication and i always really liked that painting uh gaia with the tree in ill communication i was like wow that's a crazy painting and then you know i'd seen his art in like high times magazine and here and there but i never really thought like oh it's this guy named this or that till 2003 2004 I moved into a, 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 a apartment with a roommate and she had a sacred mirrors book. And then I'm like, Oh, there's this guy, Alex Gray, who does his art. And I was actually a little bit pissed at the time because I had started this whole like vision. Well, what now you would call visionary art by the time I didn't know what was called. I was just doing cool spiritual art. And this guy had done the coolest spiritual art ever you know he fucking crushed it and i was like oh man this guy fucking mega crushed it what is left for me (laughs) um but eventually i wanted to meet him 
Uh, he's very inspiring, obviously. And I went to Manhattan and I went to Cosm and I met him briefly. Uh, and then I met him again at Burning Man and he didn't really remember me, but he was kind enough to answer some questions for my documentary. And then I met him again in Canada. He did a show in Toronto and by then he kind of remembered me because he remembered doing an interview in Burning Man. And then the fourth time I met him was this show I did in Hawaii. And by then he remembered me. He's like, oh yeah, you're Chris Dyer, the Canadian artist. And then after that, the next time I met him was in Australia at a festival I did in 2012. And we did the panel discussion together. And uh, I, you know, I'm not your usual panel visionary artist that gives the same answers. I'm really funny and I fucking joke around and I talk about block parties and not. And after the, the panel discussion, like Allison comes to me and she's like, this guy's amazing. You know, he's hilarious. We got to get him to cause him. Let's get a picture with him, Alex. I was like, oh my God, like they're asking me now to take a picture. Wow. Hilarious. So then I started going to Cosm and started teaching workshops. And I've been teaching workshops at Cosm for the last seven years. And we've become good friends, you know, like uh, they, every time I go there, I hang out at their place. We have dinner. They, they have me over uh, to their studio to make art and have conversations. So it's been like seven years of that. So we become like good friends. We, I get along really well with both Allison and Alex for different reasons, but Alex is just a real sweetheart. Like I'm so happy that the king of our art movement actually is like a really on point spiritual dude and not just like an ego or somebody faking it because he, he's the real deal. He's very sweet. He's very human, which is also amazing, you know, and he's an amazing artist and he's a genius, you know, like he'll just like come up with like genius concepts out of nowhere on the dinner table. And you're just like, damn, man, you fought that shit yourself like crazy. Um, yeah, I love Alex. Uh, I love Allison. I love Cosm. I hope, and I know they will succeed at opening Entheon hopefully next year, once all of this kerfuffle is done. And, uh, yeah, they're creating a sanctuary for spiritual art that people can enjoy past their own lifetime. So I think it's a, it's a great service they're doing. No. Yeah. And I, that's another person I've been kind of following his journey and, and like since a young age too, as well, like seeing his art on tool, uh, band shirts and their albums and stuff and just being like holy shit like then connecting the dots and being like wow geez that's right that's the so tool, the tool cover made him super famous he's he's lucky he only really got super famous in his like late 50s because that means he had all of the time before to really just do these really crazy detailed paintings without too much distractions Artists our age, uh, like say my, I'm, I'm kind of young and I've been, you know, as I told you, quasi famous since, you know, like my mid twenties, it's fun and it's great. I can make a living from my art, but it also like, you know, you gotta be touring a lot. It takes a lot of time. It, it gives you less time for like making the crazy kind of paintings, like a cosmic Christ or, or like, you know, the, you know, all the other crazy paintings that Alex does, he still does you know, very detailed, crazy paintings, but it takes him like, you know, a while. Like the one he's doing right now is crazy. It's, 
it's so inspiring to go to a studio. I go to the studio and I'm just like, holy shit, like I'm I'm nothing. I'm garbage. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know? no, you can't you're you can't think that though. That's no, no that's... but it, 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 it it's kind of like a joke. I, it just inspires me like fuck. I gotta like lock myself in a studio and do a painting that's so ambitious just so I can feel good about myself again. And not because it's a competition, it's just because you want to be the best version of yourself possible, both as a human and as a painter. So when you see somebody raise the bar so high artistically, you know you could do it too if you just work that hard. And, right. you know, that would be my ultimate, you know, for me, my ultimate achievement of my lifetime would be to make paintings that I know are the maximum of my capacity. You know, that I've given it 100% and I did not slack off in any single way and you know so wow. what a blessing uh, though that, to that's have, good have... it's good to be inspired and to be humbled and you know it, it's bad to be all like oh i'm the shit i'm the best you know that's not that's no fire under my ass <laughs> getting me to push myself further right like what a blessing though to have such an inspiration from like now a close friend of yours like someone that took you know several interactions in order for him to like recall who you were and now someone you can say you share dinner with like that's that's incredible that's awesome yeah. Yeah, no, it's, and, I'm super, super uh, grateful for the and, for that. And then an, another question I had. So I'm friends with John as well, but Twelfth Planet, you do a lot of his visuals oh, yeah. and his um, some of his merch too, I believe, right? Yeah, well, I've done art for a couple of his posters, uh, his tour posters, and then that ended up as merch. And then I also gave him art that ended up being in the visuals of their shows. So yeah, there's a lot of my art in uh, Twelve Planets uh, uh, situation, which is nice so guy. cool because yeah, you see him, you see him at shows, and you're, it's just blasting your the positive creations just out to everybody. It's so it's cool very interesting that. though because he like his uh, imminent uh, VJ, his visuals dude, grabs my art and just fucking injects cocaine into it or some gnarliness because it like my art's all kind of like if my art had a soundtrack it would be some kind of like groovy psychedelic rock or reggae that's like yeah. this very intense dubstep so it's like visuals just go like i'm just like holy shit like they grabbed my beans and they fucking injected some crazy stuff to it uh but it's cool you know like uh i'm 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 just happy that my medicine is reaching that different demographic <laughs> yeah no and i see a lot of your stuff obviously too at festivals you know you see your, your prints on stuff or like you know like the tapestries and stuff of that nature too but like th- that was just so cool because i remember uh he gave me my first I, I i do photography for um edm artists and john actually gave my first shot pretty much in a lot of ways on a big stage you know in front of like mm. eighteen thousand people cool. and i look behind me at some point and i see your art i'm like holy fuck dude he knows chris that's so insane that's like just well it was funny because i i don't really follow dubstep it's not really uh my cup of tea um but he was a fan of me and i was like oh wow this big dubstep dude is into my art and then his manager contacts me and he's like, hey, Chris, we love your vibe. Like, you know, if you're ever in L.A., come and kick it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to L.A. next week. So I went to meet them downtown L.A. They got this really nice loft apartment. And, you know, we became friends. We really resonate. John's an interesting beast of a person. Oh, yeah. Um, he, he's very intense, you know. I, but we also <laughs> agree. Like, we, we, we get along in the whole thing where he loves wrestling. And I like old school wrestling. So, 
he actually oh, helped he me. He loves wrestling. He's right. such a fan. He's a super fan. So, so funny. We, we get along on that vibe. And then another time I ended up in LA, like whenever I go to LA and I stay downtown, because in LA, as you know, it's so big and you got to fucking, you can't go from neighborhood to neighborhood in a day because of the traffic. So you kind of be like, okay, well, I'm in downtown today and I got to find a place to crash here. So I always crash on his couch. And, uh, one day I was crashing on his couch and it was his birthday. So him and all his DJ friends went out bowling. So I went out with them and I sucked at it. But And he never plays bowling, but he killed it. And he didn't even <laughs> play normal. He grabbed the bowling ball as if it was like a fucking like a tennis ball and just kind of like chucked it at the pins. And he'd always get all these <laughs> strikes. And I was like, what the fuck's up with this guy? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's hilarious. Yeah, those yeah, are good guys. But, the, disi- the Disciple Crew is a good good bunch. Good bunch of guys. Yeah, I've they're all nice all kids, you know. That's cool. You know, for me, it's just like great that there's all these artists that are doing well and they're touring the world and they can make their money by doing the thing that they love. And you know, honestly too, like Chris, I'm, I'm so honored to have you. Do you have time to talk for a little longer? We're hitting the hour right now, but if you've got more time, I'd love to keep talking. Yeah, I'm chilling. I'm just here painting with my friend, Danny Rebel. We're like, you know, having a little paint jam. Oops, nice. maybe I shouldn't okay. say that. I'm in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't tell it's anybody. Okay. It's, it's okay. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be a secret until they get to an don't hour. Don't tell the Canadian government. I'll, I'll get fined like 3,000 <laughs> bucks or something like that. Oh my God. That's I know. But anyway, what I was saying, though, is it's such an honor to have a conversation with you because I feel like you are um, not to like put you on a pedestal. But to me, you're an inspiration. And to me as well, um, you're a part of the podcast on such an early stage for me. Like this is like episode number, you know, like within the first 10 episodes. And to to have you be so uh, so kind to to come on and talk. I, I'm so grateful. Like, thank you so much, man. Like, that's yeah, no so problem, inc- man. We're all the same. Right. And it's it, I mean, it's 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 uh like a goal of mine as well to, to make this, you know, how I make my income and how I eventually am able to support myself and those around me. And like to, to have the, the support of people at your level already, or that's like, man, that just, life is weird. You know, it's crazy how it all works out like this. Wouldn't it be nice if everybody was just nice to each other and we all empower each other and we all like make sure that everybody is all blessed and like abundant. Wouldn't that be awesome? How much easier would it be? How much, right, how much so let's lighter just do it. would life At be? least let's do it ourselves. Right. I mean, this you is... You can't I force mean, others to do it, but you can do it and I can do it, you know? So And we're only two people, but then we can do it together. You know, we can yeah, make... I, I refer to like it as do like... do what we can, you know? Right. I refer to it as like a puzzle. You know, like I might be one single piece of the puzzle. You might be one single piece of the puzzle. But then when we come together, we create a small portion or a small fragment of the greater picture. And if we mm-hmm. can make that picture clearer for other people, like, you know, what what harm is that? How how good is that for humanity for us to do that? I think that's amazing. I, I think that's Maybe why we're I love like the pieces of the puzzle are the edges. Once you get the edges going, everything else more buttery, man exactly it gets so much easier it gets so much easier once you have the frame down oh my gosh i was actually talking trick. to my tattoo artists about that i was like hey do you know anybody that starts with shading instead of line work first and she's like no that's pretty impossible like that's really difficult to do so i mean uh-huh. it's pretty general practice that we start with lining and i think even too going back to like what you're saying about like everybody has to go through a struggle like it reminded me um like 
a tattoo is a perfect example of that because like the pain, like the excruciating pain, but like, that's part of your payment. Like that's part of your, like your reward is this beautiful piece of art that you get to keep forever. But every time I get a tattoo, I'm like, Oh fuck, I forgot this hurts like a bitch. Why did I do this again? (laughs) But it's like, shut up, Chris, just put up with the pain, you know, in like a couple hours, you'll have this beautiful thing for the rest of your life. But in that right. moment, you're just like, fuck, this sucks. Same with the dentist. You're like, oh, of course I need like my gums to be cleaned and stuff. But in the moment, you're just like, Ugh, no more. <laughs> I've never really hated the dentist. I, only until I started getting cavities like later in life. Like I'm, I'm only 23. But, but I had uh, gum disease once, man. I had to get all my gums cut and then sewn. It was the oh worst. <laughs> that sounds like shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like I could Ugh. feel them cut, like they, they fucking injected my whole mouth. So it was not, I was numb, but I could feel them cutting with a knife, all my gums out, like hitting the bone. I was just like, <gasps> no, it's just and then a cringy sewing feeling. it back. So oh, it's the worst. Sorry Ugh, for the bad fuck. story. I, no, we just no, lost no, all your, your listeners. <laughs> they're all gone now. Thanks, Chris. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, I just got my elbow tattooed yesterday and I have to say that was the worst pain. Really? Huh? <laughs> I've, oh, the war. Where do you where do you have most of your tattoos? Uh, all over. Legs are easier than boobs for sure. Um, forearms are not so bad, but that like little crack between your uh, forearm and your biceps. I, I mean, like you know, your muscle on your arm. The ditch. Yeah, they call yeah, it. Yeah, that ditch. ditch is a bitch. And then like the upper boob area is soft skin. Um, I've never done my ribs. I hear ribs. It's terrible. Yeah, um, I have a. I, yeah, I got for the now I'm doing like the easy my, parts, like the 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 arms and the legs. Not nothing too too gnarly. Yeah, but, no, that's. Uh, I mean, that's. Yeah, what I love. I love tattoos. I love tattoos. Um, that's like my biggest affliction lately. Um, but to one more thing, I wanted to ask about too, because like you actually, I reached out to you about this. I don't know if you remember, but you had posted a photo of. Um, like I think it was like 20 or 19 reasons why you quit smoking. Are you still, are you still abstaining from using pot? Yeah. Like I consider myself a person who doesn't smoke weed, but sometimes I do. Like the other day I got back from Peru, as I told you, it had been three months of not smoking or, or more just because there's no weed in Peru or at least not in my parents' house. Um, and I get to the mail and somebody I put in my mailbox, like a little tube with a joint and just said like, hey, I enjoyed Canada. Enjoy. I guess because I got a mural right outside my house, they, they do. It's like, okay, this dude's going to enjoy this. And I was just so happy to be home. And I was like, hell yeah, I'll smoke a joint. And I got stoned by myself and just fucking danced around my apartment, looking at my toys and <laughs> listening to my records. And it was amazing. But later that day, I like I had a little bit of like, I was just a little burnt out in my head and it didn't really make me want to smoke the day after, you know, because right. once I get so, in a rhythm, then it's like, I need to smoke all the time and I just can't let it take control over me. That was my issue too, is like the daily use of it is so, it's like, that's another thing. It's like, it's such a medicine, but it's also one of those things you can easily abuse. And yeah. um, it's, it, it is a medicine. It's, it's extremely potent medicine if used correctly and like if it's so much more of a treat when you treat it that way instead of using it as like a smoking it like a cigarette like something you have to do every you know three hours or whatever and like that's like to me like especially 
I I had picked up smoking again after you had posted that list, but that list you posted of all the reasons were all things I resonated with because it is true. I mean, a lot of it is like makes me a lazier person. It makes me, you know, I, I'm I feel the need to like heed that or like get that craving, you know. Right. And, and I, I just get I just like you know once I get used to it, um, I need it all the time, and I don't like losing my freedom. You know, when I have somebody, it's always like give me more, give me more, give me more. That's an entity that's not myself that I can't let control my life, especially if my lungs are getting bad, my throat's getting bad, my brain's getting all foggy. Um, you know, it's just not healthy on, you know, like I start getting these black eye bags and just, just putting smoke in your body all the time is not the healthiest. But people are really, you know, and it also straight up makes me paranoid. I wish it didn't, but it does. Um, and I put that list out more for myself and so many people resonated to it. It, it, it kind of like went viral, but then so many people got so mad at me because like, Oh, Chris, you weed hater. Like, you know, we've been working so hard to ah. legalize it and here you are hating on it. And it's like, I'm not hating on it. You do whatever you want. It's just not for me anymore. This is just, this is, this is about me. It's not about anybody else. This is just like reasoning and talking to myself because I got to stop. I'm like damaging myself and I lost control and I want to be free and I want to do what I want. And I got to talk to myself and by writing it down, I do that. And I was sharing it and I'm happy that people resonate. And every time I say that, every time I mention that, like I'm a, a dreadhead that doesn't smoke weed, so many kids hit me up and it's like, how did you do it? You know, like I also want to quit, but I don't know how to do it. It's like, it's like, Oh, I don't know. Like, you know, it's not easy. Uh, I think that the trick is you just don't smoke the next joint, but that's super hard sometimes when everybody around you smokes weed and it's just kind of like the thing that you do. Uh, at one point I couldn't s stop and I had to go to the jungle of Peru to do like a whole dieta. Uh, and Aya and uh, weed are not best buddies and uh, really? Aya will fight weed inside you and it's a painful situation. Wow. Um, they're, they're both from Gaia, though, which is so interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah but different medicines have different consciousnesses. Same with Bufo and Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca, it seems like they're different kind of aliens. Uh, they're all entities. They're all from God. They're all from the universe, but they have different vibrations that are not congruent with each other. So when I did Bufo, that was not my vibe. And... Uh, and is Bufo different we, from the frog poison? Right, but it's not like the Campbell. The Campbell that I mentioned before is just like something to make you purge. Bufo is 5-MAO DMT. So it's basically oh. four times stronger than normal DMT. Holy so shit. when I smoked it in like Mexico where it's from, it's like it's like I exploded. You know, you smoke it and boom, the sun explodes and you explode and you stop existing and you you basically get erased from existence and you dissolve mm. into everythingness in one second. And there was a really beautiful lesson in becoming God in one second, but it's a very aggressive way of doing it. And my body was in total shock. When I came back to reality, my body was like, what the fuck did you do? Did you just kill me, motherfucker? Did you just kill me? Really? <laughs> me? My ego and my body was like, ego, what exactly. the fuck did you do, man? 
Yeah, and I yeah. was like so anxious after that. That night I couldn't even go to sleep because I thought I was going to die. Um, um, well, you did die in a way. You know, yeah. You had that and I thought that serious... if I went to sleep, I was going to go back to the world of death and I was not going to wake up again. And I couldn't sleep oh, that man. night. It freaked me out. It was really Jeez. nothing. Like I've ended up going to that place in ayahuasca after like several, several uh ceremonies but aya takes you little by little she's more gentle she's female she takes you where you can handle and if she sees she's gonna damage you then she stops right there and she just lets you you know absorb it bufo is just a different kind of well it's an animal medicine you know ayahuasca's plants bufo is animal frog Mm -hmm. and it felt very male and it felt like different kind of aliens that were colder in a way they didn't really care if they hurt me in the way they gave me the lesson eventually they understood that i was fragile and they're like okay well because the thing is the interaction with those beings lasted a week after that holy shit so the thing lasted 10 minutes but then my nightly interaction with those aliens every night was something else i've never had that on any other substance where at night like you you live your normal life you're sober and then you go to sleep at night and they come back and they teach you things and they give you new feelings and you on a lucid dream that never ends learning things you don't understand and then you know i i had the i had the panic attack and i had the, the constant flashbacks that first day and even the second day and I needed other shamans to kind of clean my aura. And this, uh, this shaman was like sucking from my back and then puking outside. So basically he was puking out my own negativity that had come up to the surface from doing the bufo. Such a gift that he did that. And then after that, I felt peace and I felt better. Um, but right before flying to Canada, I was in the airport and I dozed off and boom, huge panic attack. It's like a kind of fear that I'd never felt before in my life. So deep that it cut me in half. And I was like, <gasps> it's like, I, I've never had such a deep fear in my life. It, 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 it was crazy. And, and, and it was like- just as we're boarding the plane too. And I was like, oh my oh. God, I just had a panic attack. And now I got to board a fucking plane from Mexico to Montreal for like six hours. And I was freaking out. I was calling my shaman in Thailand, like, should I get on the plane? What do I do? Like, I can't be like getting a panic attack while I'm flying in the air and having a multidimensional freak out with all these people around me. <laughs> but oh they were all God. like, no, just get on. You'll be fine. And I didn't sleep during that flight and I get back home to Montreal eventually and it's eight in the morning and I'm fucking tired because I didn't sleep the night before and I didn't sleep that night of the airplane and I tell Bufo like Bufo I know you're trying to like expand me and like teach me how to become God and to lose my fear of death but I'm a good guy man look at my house feel my vibration I'm a sweet kid I'm sensitive (laughs) please don't kill me you don't have to kill me in order to teach me your wisdom or whatever you need to teach me. But I have to sleep right now and I'm terrorized, but just please be gentle on me. So I fell asleep right away and he put me in a state of bliss for hours. Like a lucid dream where you just bless the fuck out. You're just love and you're just happy and peaceful and you're just giving thanks to everything in your life your friends your family your enemies you're just fucking 
bursting of love. And I woke up and I was like, am I still asleep? Am I still awake? And I was just blissed out and walking around my apartment, like blissed out, like what the fuck? And this is like three days after I smoked that thing. It's like still shit. fucking playing with me as a toy. Um, it was just crazy. And there was several nights after that. But once I, I once it, it gave me the love of bliss, after that, like at night, it just became my intergalactic friend that was coming to teach me things. And I was always welcoming it with open arms. And did, so it ended up being take- a good thing, but it was very radical. And I don't think I could do that anymore. So that's what I mean. Different substances have different uh, vibrations and you know, um, I've been working with Aya. I've been working with the plant kingdom and all of a sudden I threw an animal medicine in my system and it just didn't, it was a different path and it was too, uh, too forceful on me. And that's not a bad thing. It's just, it just wasn't for me. (laughs) So, uh, so interestingly enough to kind of tangent what you're talking about, my cousin uh, a few years ago got in an accident with a chainsaw. Um, and he was seconds. Yeah. So he, he cuts lumber for a living out in, uh, the peninsula or like near the peninsula of Washington. And he, um, that he was cutting up some wood in a bucket of a front loader and the chainsaw hit the metal bounced back and hit his neck, um, and cut his neck like a good, probably like seven inches. But anyway, he said he lost And this at the time he's like 16, 17 years old. So he's young and he hasn't been through much. He's never done drugs. He's never smoked weed. He's never done anything like never like gotten out of the consciousness that he has always known anyway. So he, he explains it to me as if he sees this blood shooting out of his neck as soon as this happens and all of the color in his vision disappears. And he just instantly goes into this, like this fright, obviously like this terrified feeling of like, I'm going to die. Um, gets to the hospital. He's still alive. He's doing well. He doesn't have much function. Um, he doesn't have as much as much function out of his arm. Um, but long story short, like I said, he has never done any psychedelics or um, smoked weed or anything like that. But he started looking into DMT and he he bought the compound that it's derived from. Apparently, there's like a root or some some sort of thing that you can buy that's not illegal uh, that he derived the substance from. And he started smoking DMT and he's done it like 10 or 20 times on his own. And, and for me, like he, I think he got so close to death, so close to his, his fate that like, he was like, I need to see what's going on. And he kind of speak, he spoke on it like the way you just did, like these entities, like it obviously is not Bufo. It's not the same, but he said these entities were talking to him and he was, he just wanted to understand what it was. And like, it's just so insane to me to go from zero to a hundred like that. Like literally just, he said he saw the eye of Horus just come out of like, just eat him, just came out of nowhere, turned into a dragon head and just consumed him whole. And like, he, he has these conversations with these beings and like, it was just, so mind-blowing to me <laughs> just insane right but yeah um just in relation to what you're saying like so those those entities that were coming to you at night were they did they take form or were they more just like an energy no i didn't see anything I, that's the whole thing and it was such a potent experience and i really wanted to paint it but i never saw anything it was all energy and feeling Wow. And no, uh, no visual, no nothing. No, no visuals. Even when I did the Bufo itself, I think there was some light mandalic situation happening, but in general, it was just white. It was just kind of like uh, I left the world of form. So there was nothing to see. It was just vibration. I pretty much stuck my head in a different uh, 
plane of existence that wasn't the physical, but I didn't even have eyes to see anymore. Um, wow, so geez. yeah, that's a hard thing to try and envision that honestly. That's, yeah. that's tough to, that's tough to, so to I, I did paintings kind of like symbolizing how I felt, but I, it would never be like a true representation of what happened because, um, it's hard, you know, any right. painting, what? like, you know, like you can do paintings that can have an echo to a certain experience. And Alex is really good at that, but still it's not really like that. You know, it's just his, uh, his skin to the situation. And in a way we all give that, uh, that vibration, say the ayahuasca land, the DMT land, we give it our own skin, uh, and by skin, I mean it's energy dancing and it wants to show itself to you. So it could just kind of like access things in your brain and use it as a skin, you know, as, a, as clothing for you to see something. Like she's danced for me using video games from my childhood. Like she's like, I'm going to grab a little bit of Pac-Man. I'm going to grab a little bit of Mega Man. I'm going to grab a little bit of Mario Bros and I'm going to turn it into this crazy mandalic moving animation landscape. And I'm just like seeing it being like, what the fuck? How are you doing this? And like, <laughs> and she's just like, ha ha ha. I'm so powerful. Look what I can do. Isn't it cool? Don't you love this? You love video games. Here you go. <laughs> and wow. I'm like recognizing things like, whoa, dude, like way to go. Like you got, I guess you got the library of my experiences at your disposal for you to use as uh, pieces of the puzzle of how you want to dance for me. And right. beyond, and they say, obviously. They say that everything that you've ever seen, experienced, felt, touched, heard, smelt, whatever it may be. It's all in your brain somewhere. Right. So it's, all it's like, like she's in unlocking your memory that. somewhere deep in there. Crazy. Um, so, but oh man, that is such a trip. That is so insane. What are you painting right now? What, what, what's the reflection I'm, of what you're doing? Uh, I got right? this broken skateboard that I had in Peru and uh, I started drawing this and painting it during one of Amanda Sage's vision train uh, online jams. I don't know if you heard about them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she does this online Zoom that's been running 24 hours nonstop for like over three months. And on the two-month mark, she had Paul Stamens as a guest. She had Alex Gray as a guest. And she hit me up like, yo, Chris, like join the train on this date. We're going to have like a two-month anniversary. And uh, we're all going to be painting mushrooms. So paint a mushroom if you can. So I got a broken skateboard and... I started drawing and painting a mushroom, but I've been up to a lot of other things to really hit it up. But, uh, but yeah, I guess today I'm, I'm adding a little bit of color to it and uh, getting it somewhere. So it's just like a old skateboard that it's you used like to ride. A, it's like a, it's, it's like a mushroom, but it doesn't really look like a mushroom. It's got the shape of a mushroom, but it's got all these uh, patterns. It looks more like a dude with a giant bongo dread hat or something like that. But how long uh, have yeah. you had how how long have you had your dreads? Speaking of uh, dreads. twenty years. Wow, dude, I, that you started those when I was three years old. That is a trip. Yeah, well, it's because I'm incredibly old, man. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Incredibly old, but no, I don't think that takes form. I think that I think that's just a just a number. Obviously, that's just a yeah. Just a, joking. A, 
I feel like being being old is like I feel like it's very subjective or object or maybe age is objective and and how you feel you decide what role you want to take like when I go to Peru all my school friends of my age they look like adults to me they use shirts they use a certain kind of hairstyle (laughs) that looks like an adult they have adult jobs um they have you know families and big houses and cars and all these adult things that none of that stuff is bad. I just guess I am okay with where I am, you know, like I still haven't learned how to drive and I'm okay riding a bike and I still like to use shorts and a t-shirt and skateboard and travel. I know I'm still enjoying being young, so I don't want to give it up, I guess. Wait, Um, you don't know how to drive? No, I never really learned I, I sometimes i try to go to driving school but i just i'm out of town so much but actually thanks for reminding me i should call my driving school and tell them back in town and maybe i could fucking now that i'm kind of grounded in montreal for a few months maybe it's my chance to get a few more classes because here you can't take your test unless you do all the classes oh my gosh that wow that is it's so weird because in it oh man like that's something we get at like 15 here in the states for some reason that's like something that's like required of us i don't know it's just weird like it's not required obviously but like it's so looked down upon to like not use a fossil fuel burning fucking cancer machine to get places where you could just ride a bike or or skateboard or even walk to most of the places you need to go it's so i mean it has its its place it'd be cool i guess but i always had other friends that had cars it's kind of expensive you need to pay gas the environment saved a lot of money on gas for sure you and then montreal to- like all the neighborhoods that i enjoy are kind of close to each other and at worst i can take a subway or take a uber and not have to look for parking um right. yeah Jeez. i don't know it's just not for me which is trippy because my dad loves cars he loves cars like you know he's a nascar fan he collects toy cars he's he's made a little gallery museum of toy cars in peru and I'm like his older son that doesn't even care to even learn how to drive one. <laughs> do you have Do you have siblings? Yeah, I got a brother. Cool. I'm an only child. It's weird. It's a weird life being an only child. I wish Aww. I had a brother. Sorry to it's hear. Like, it, it's not bad. It's not like something I like ask for like sympathy on, but it's definitely a very solid, like a, like a, not so, what's the word? Solitary path it's a very uh introspective path if you do it correctly well at least you didn't have a brother bullying you but i feel like that builds character though right in a way or trauma, like kind of, or trauma. that's true <laughs> i know my brother was mad at me for years after our youth still to today i still think he's a little at resent, resentful towards me for like hitting him as a kid is he an artist yeah He's a muralist. He he's like strictly spray paint, graffiti ish, but more like in a future graffiti kind of mode. And he actually gets some really dope clients, like the Toronto Raptors and Facebook. Oh shit! Like he gets the big bills kind of clients. Like you know, I get all the hippies, but he gets all the corporates. Hey, the hippies love you, man. That's your. Uh, That's so good. I love my hippies too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're with you. They'll back you up. That's your army right there. Yeah, but it's so uh, good. <laughs> yo, so, so I mean, we're approaching the hour and a half mark. I don't want to take too much more of your time, but at the end of all my podcasts, I really like to just give you a second to like 
say your truth, um, where people can find you, um, uh, anything you want the people to hear. I know I'm not like the biggest podcast, but I hope one day people can look back and listen to this and be like, wow, that's where it began. Um, so I want, right. I, I like to add these little segments where people can just say their truth really quick for a few minutes and just like maybe what they believe and what they think, you know, they want to see going forward or like maybe what you're doing in the next couple of months where people can find you. So yeah, okay. just go, I mean, yeah, go ahead and say what you got to say. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for having me over your podcast. Uh, always happy to have a nice conversation and I hope that a lot of people listen to it and that you do very well at this, uh, show that you do, uh, for people who want to find me, I'm on the internet. Um, you can just put my name, Chris Dyer, and I'm on everything, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, webpage, web store, as for activities, you know, as most people, everything's canceled. I'm probably just going to be painting the next few months at in, in you know in Montreal in my apartment, doing the last pieces that I'm trying to achieve for my second art book. Which I, at least you know, when I was in Peru, stuck, I got the chance to do the layout for my second art book, and I'm at like you know 80% done. So that's amazing. That's really great chance to get that done and now i just want to like do the pieces that fill in the empty holes uh as for my truth i don't know i guess we've been speaking about it like through this whole show and i don't know i just want people to you know go gentle on each other we're all really gentle souls you know may we act tough and put a million armors around us to protect our sensitivity and our you know our, our gentle souls you know, we're all just brothers and sisters living on a planet, trying to learn, be compassionate, be loving. Let's try to unite and make it that we all enjoy. You know, let's remember that we are God living the physical experience, you know? Yes, he also wants to experience negativity because he, wa- he wants to experience it all. But, you know, if we all just remember that we're God who put himself in a virtual reality physical plane, to fucking enjoy all the blessings of it. You know, like we can eat fucking chocolate and shit, you know, and go skateboarding <laughs> yeah. and paint and have fun and be nice to each other and have sex and travel <laughs> and fucking run in the park. Like there's so many awesome things we can do without the need of hurting somebody else. And yes, we've all been hurt. We all got traumas, but let's try to address it. Let's try to heal ourselves. Let's try to heal others so we can all just start enjoying. So we don't keep on passing on the trauma. So we, can just be happy, you know, let's all be happy. You know, that's all I ask. So be kind to yourself, be kind to others. Let's let's try to be more love. I that's love my that. truth. I love <laughs> that. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. I'm honestly such a blessing to have you on. I'm so stoked. And honestly, Chris, if you're willing, I'd love to have you back on eventually just to yeah, kind of totally. recap or just have more conversation. I mean, um, it just be I feel like there's so much uncovered ground here that we could just go on for hours about. But um as you know, as I said before, like, fuck, super stoked to have you on super stoked to have done this. I know we, we postponed it a bit because I had some shit going on with work. I'm sorry about that. But it's okay. thankfully, we got it done. We got it figured out. And fuck, man, uh, such a such a great time. Hare Krishna, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, my and- pleasure, brother. And so I like to end it with this, y'all listening. If you made it this far, thank you so much for uh, for for coming with Chris and I on this this quick little brief journey of your time. Um, and until next time, we'll uh, we'll talk to you later. Blessings.